service. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Disgraceland is brought to you by Disgraceland All Access. Disgraceland All Access membership is your chance to support the show and get ad-free listening, an exclusive scripted episode every month, and exclusive bonus content every week, plus access to an always-on chat with me and your fellow discos. Visit disgracelandpod.com slash membership, or just click on the link in the show notes for this episode. Hey, discos. Need a little more Disgraceland in your life? Just a touch to get you through? Yeah, me too. This is the podcast that comes after the podcast. Welcome to Disgraceland, the after party. Welcome to the Disgraceland bonus episode, a little thing we like to call the after party. This is the show after the show, the party after the party, the bridge to get you from one full episode of Disgraceland to the other, the backyard to dig into the dirt. On this episode, we are talking, among other things, once again, about the Notorious B.I.G., some disgraceful new metal, Ricky Powell, Bismarcky, and of course, your voicemails, texts, DMs, and more, and as always, a whole lot of Rosie. All right, Disco. Let's get into it. All right, in this week's re-release of part two of the Notorious B.I.G. story, we get further into the infamous East Coast-West Coast beef, but also into Biggie's life after Tupac, his inspiration as an artist, and the mystery behind his still-unsolved murder. Still unsolved. Can you believe this? This is 26 years ago. But recently, there was some news related to Tupac Shakur's murder. Uh, the Nevada home of Keith D., one of the two living eyewitnesses to Tupac's murder, he, uh, his home was recently raided. And now, at the time of the taping of this after-party episode, uh, The Sun, a newspaper in the UK, is reporting that Keith D. is facing, quote-unquote, imminent charges related to Tupac's murder. Not sure how credible The Sun is. Just throwing that out there. But add to that, uh, one of the former detectives who worked on Biggie's case is saying that whatever evidence they're collecting from Keith D may actually help solve Biggie's murder as well. So what do you think? Are they onto something here? Are they getting warmer? Feels like every couple months or sorry, years or whatever, something pops up that teases us and lets us think that we're finally gonna get to the finally gonna get to the end of this. I almost feel like if we were to know who actually killed Biggie or Tupac, uh, would we even pay attention to it? in today's media landscape, would it even cut through? I mean, I know it would cut through immediately, but I almost feel like the mystery around their death is way bigger than any potential uh, solving of the case could be. You can hear at the end of this Notorious B.I.G. episode, the part two episode that we just released, you can hear where I'm coming from with my feelings on who killed them and what the motivation could have been. Um, so because of that, because of my thoughts on this, it's easy for me to see why one of the former detectives who worked on the case like I just mentioned, would say that whatever evidence is found on Keith D might actually help authorities find out who killed B.I.G., the big, the big one, the notorious big one. Um, this topic, still 26 years later, is a hot one. And I don't mean popular one. I mean dangerous one. The killers are still out there. 
I believe that. Uh, I believe that at least in the case of Tupac, the killer still holds influence and is still dangerous and still capable of killing. And I think that that is very much why no one will actually say who they think killed Tupac. If you watch interviews with people who were involved, I mean, friends of his, other artists in the music industry, um, same thing goes for when they talk about who killed Biggie. You can kind of see a pattern develop in how they answer questions and what they don't say. And I use that, uh, I use that as a guiding, a guidepost for me on writing these B.I.G. episodes. Um, and again, you know, what I just said about Tupac's killer being out there, uh, the same holds for Biggie's killer. Not only is he still out there, I believe that the forces that brought down Big are bigger and more dangerous than the forces that brought down Tupac Shakur. So, uh, you know, there's a question I ask at the end of this episode, the part two episode on Biggie. The question is, who stood to gain from the death of the notorious B.I.G.? Lots of potential people stood to gain. Was it his record label, his manager, the LAPD, Tupac's supporters? There's, there's a long, long list. So who? Who stood to gain from Biggie Smalls dying? 617-906-6638. The question this week is simple. Who do you think killed the notorious B.I.G.? Leave me a voicemail or send me a text just like the 859 chiming in here on their way to work. Hey, Jake. This is Sean from the 859 uh, calling in on my way to work, uh, listening to the most recent bonus episode. Um, you had asked about uh, feuds in music, some of the greatest views of all time, and you said that you weren't too sure about any country music. And one that immediately came to mind, uh, especially considering, you know, you recently put out the Merle Haggard episode, people keep calling and requesting Waylon Jennings episodes. Well, actually, Merle and Waylon had a bit of a beef. Uh, circa 1969, Waylon Jennings and Merle got into a poker game, and... Merle, and I think it was his manager at the time. I just remember it was Fuzzy Owens. Uh, but anyway, Merle and Fuzzy, Waylon thinks that they set him up and took all of his money because Waylon had anywhere between four and $5,000 on this game, and he lost and was bitter about it. And even though both of those guys were friends with Johnny Cash, w Willie Nelson, and you know, other outlaws in the scene, you know, they just couldn't get along. Uh, Waylon never forgot about that. You know, he still held it over Merle's head. So a lot of people, you know, they wonder why Merle wasn't in the Highwaymen. This is a big part of the reason why. But anyway, love the podcast. Uh, I know you've asked in the past about what we do and where we listen, like I said, listening on the road. And also while I'm at work, I work at Big Ass Fan, so I guess you can say I'm a Big Ass Fan, disgrace plan. Just keep doing what you're doing and rock and roll it. All right, Sean, I had no idea about this Merle Haggard and Waylon Jennings dust up. Uh, see, that's the thing. That's that's why this thing of ours, our, this quote unquote thing of ours works. Uh, I share info with you guys. You guys hit me to classic country beefs and have no fear. We will get to a Waylon Jennings episode paging Zeth Lundy uh, sometime in the near future. But in the meantime, like I said previously, you can check out the video we have on Waylon on our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash at DisgracelandPod. But back to the voicemails. Judy, Judy from the 309. Sounds like a Clash song, doesn't it? Judy from the 309. Um, all right, Judy, what do you got? Hey, Jake. I am calling from the 309, and 
I was listening to a bonus episode, not sure which one, um, but you asked about non-biopic music movies or something to that extent. Um, and I don't think this is a bio. I think it's just an amalgamation of different stories that are similar to maybe musicians. Well, definitely similar to musicians that have lived. Um, but I don't think it's about anyone in particular. It's American pop. It's an animated movie. Um, I love it. It is my favorite. It is so just layered. Um, when you really get into it and watch it, the animation is crude and raw with the music. It's just a great experience. So I suggest that. I didn't mention my name. My name is Judy. Again, calling from the 309. Have a great day. Rock and roll. Judy, thank you. I've never seen American Pop. Uh, I don't think. That's it's not this. No, I'm thinking of heavy metal. That's the one from the 70s. When is American Pop from? 2000s? What? I, I got to figure this out. I'll look into American Pop, Judy. Thank you. I appreciate the voicemail. Um, let's check out uh, this one from Terry all the way out in Idaho in the 208. Hey, Jake, it's Terry from way out in Idaho again, the 208. Music movies. Um, I'm going to have to say I am a huge Prince fan, so Purple Rain. I know that probably won't go down on a lot of people's lists, but it's one of my favorites. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody is up there. I also have to say I'm a Motley Crue fan, so I loved The Dirt. And um, Eight Mile was a good one with Eminem, so... Really love that. Anyway, keep up the great work and rock a rolla. Terry, thank you for the call. I love Purple Rain because um, I love Prince, but uh, I'm going to say something that I don't think is controversial, but who knows? Uh, Prince is not a good actor. Uh, we love Prince, and because we love him, I feel like that compensates in Purple Rain, at least, for his lack of acting chops. Um, yeah, I still love the movie. His shitty acting <laughs> doesn't really affect it for me. He just looks good on a motorcycle. What can I say? Uh, what else did you talk about here? The Dirt. The Dirt was good, uh, especially Tony Cavallaro as Ozzy Osbourne in that, that scene with the ants. But it's hard to compete uh, with that book. I don't know if you've read The Dirt, the, the Neil Strauss book, but it is uh, incredible. I think it's the only book I've ever read in one sitting where I just started reading it and I stopped everything I was doing and I could not stop reading it until I was done. I remember exactly where I was. I was in, uh, I was on the Upper East Side in my friend Julie Duffy's apartment back when she lived in New York and would go out on tour managing John Cougar Mellencamp and Justin Timberlake and let me crash at her place when she was gone. Awesome of you, Julie. Still thanking you after all these years. But I remember she had a copy of The Dirt on her bookshelf when I got to her place and uh, I mustn't have had anything to do that day and night because I just planted my my ass down in one of Julie's chairs and I just read and read and read and read. And all these years later, it's a, uh, it's a Netflix thing and we're still talking about it. But that's because the book is so damn good. So Terry, check out the book, The Dirt by Neil Strauss, if you haven't already. Uh, and thanks for your Badlands answers as well. I'll get back to you separately on your movie stuff uh, over in the rap party. All right, let's check in with Billy for the 210. Jake. You got Billy here from the 210 in San Antonio, Texas, and uh, I'm calling in reference to one of your previous after-party questions, so I just wanted to let you know what I've been listening to lately in reference to what you first mentioned. 
I've been revisiting a lot of um, old school. Well, really, I, I mean, just 1980s stuff like Talking Heads, Depeche Mode, and Nine Inch Nails. But man, you were talking about this. Uh, you know, I can't. I can't believe that you don't, like you've never seen Natural Born Killers, or you didn't like it the first time when you saw it because it's crazy. Oliver Stone he directed that flick, and then he hired Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails of Nine Inch Nails is Nine Inch Nails to produce the soundtrack for the film. So I don't know if you've rewatched it, but you might like it the second time around much more because uh, in my personal opinion, I don't know which is better, the film or the soundtrack. So you might want to challenge yourself on that one, friend. I think you'll be thoroughly uh, surprised. But uh, keep on keeping on, man. Keep doing, uh, you know, keep, keep doing the best work that everybody uh, implores you to continue doing. And I'm a huge fan of yours. Um, yeah, you're an inspiration, brother. Be good. Take care. Billy, I did not know about the Reznor angle with Natural Born Killers, but I'll indeed get back into it and check it out. I love having a reason to rewatch movies and challenge my initial opinions about things, and your timing is great. Uh, just heard a Reznor piece from the Social Network soundtrack. It popped up on my shuffle. I was blown away by it. Him and Atticus Fitch. Am I saying that right? Um, but yeah, I'll check out Natural Born Killers if for no other reason, like you said, just for the soundtrack. And it's been decades since I've seen that movie. So uh, kind of excited to have a reason to, to dive back into it, even though I was just reading Tarantino's comments about how much he still dislikes that that movie. All right, guys, 617-906-6638. If you want to leave me a voicemail on anything that we're discussing here in Disgraceland, I love loving these recommendations from you guys on best non-music biopic music movies. Uh, that's a mouthful. Uh, but this week's question, you know, keep those keep those answers coming if you got them. But this week's question is, who killed the notorious B.I.G.? Doesn't get more true crimey and more music true crime than that. Check out the latest re-release of the uh, two Biggie episodes we did. Part two just hit. It's at the top of your feeds. You can check that out to refresh your memory. Hit me back with your theories on who killed Biggie Smalls. Uh, we'll take we'll take theories on who killed Tupac as well. Whatever whatever other questions you have, uh, voicemail. Text 617-906-6638. I'm going to take a quick break. Be back after this with some answers to your texts, some DMs, and more. Hey, do you love bad movies? I'm talking about movies where Jason Statham saves the day or a lifetime thriller about a killer flight instructor or basically anything made in the 1980s that was set in the not too distant future. Now, if all of that scenes up your alley, then you are going to love the podcast, How Did This Get Made? I've been listening to this podcast, it seems like for forever, and I keep going back to it because it is hysterical. Every episode, comedians Paul Shear, June Diane Raphael, and Jason Mansukis dissect the best, worst films ever made and their often bizarre production stories. Some of you guys are going to know Paul, June, and Jason, the hosts, from many of their appearances in films, animation, uh, television, 
on stage, these uh, improv, these guys, great, great, great comics. Uh, and they're just funny as hell. And these episodes are hysterical. They just did this episode on this cult action movie called Samurai Cop. All right, just that title alone tells you that it's going to be funny to digest. Where they, the star of this movie, of course, is a stuntman, goes to prison after filming because they stole a Rembrandt painting at gunpoint from a church. Of course, the best part of this podcast is these guys watch these movies so that you don't have to. And sometimes even they're joined by hilarious guests, Seth Rogen, Conan O'Brien. Okay, I'm not the only one who thinks this show is hysterical. What are you waiting for? Go listen to How Did This Get Made, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Discos, it's Jake here. Thank you so much for listening to Disgraceland. Your support truly means a lot to me, and it's because of you that my team and I are able to make this show. If you want more Disgraceland, if you want more regular interactions with me and the community of Disgraceland listeners, or if you simply want to listen to the show ad-free, go to disgracelandpod.com slash membership, or just click on the link in the show notes for this episode. For just five bucks a month, you can listen to every episode of Disgraceland ad-free. Plus, you'll get one brand new exclusive episode every month. You'll also get weekly unscripted bonus content, special audio collections, and early access to merch and events. There are two ways that you can support the show and become a member at disgracelandpod.com slash membership. You can sign up using Patreon and listen to the show ad-free on Apple, Spotify, and most other major podcast platforms. And Patreon members also get access to all the other perks of membership in an always-on chat where I'll be interacting with you and diving deeper into the world of Disgraceland. But maybe you're currently an Apple Podcast subscription listener and you want to just tap into all the bonus audio content and ad-free listening that we're offering. We're also offering this membership as a premium channel on Apple Podcasts. However you choose to join, all you got to do is go to disgracelandpod.com slash membership. Support the show for just $5 a month, five bucks, or sign up for an annual plan and get two months free. Come join me and your fellow discos at Disgraceland All Access by visiting disgracelandpod.com slash membership. Yes, yes, we are back. So let's dive into some of your texts. You can text me, as you know, 617-906-6638. Got this one here from the 814. Hi, Jake. My name is Chad, and I'm from the 814 area of Pennsylvania, and I have been listening to you since you started work on Disgraceland and Badlands. Uh, while at work, while I cut the grass at home, I work in a manufacturing plant that makes fuel-related items like sump pumps and LCD screens for gas stations and depots all over the world. My family and I recently took a trip to Virginia Beach, and I introduce them to your podcast during the drive. They loved your writing and storytelling abilities. Keep up the great work and thank you for all your hard work. I would love to hear something about the early feud between Roger Waters and David Gilmour someday, if you could. Much love. Uh, thanks for the text, Chad. Appreciate it. Love that you're spreading uh, the disgrace land to your family. You must have some older kids. I hope. <laughs> um, but yeah, Roger Waters and David Gilmour. We're going to do a Pink Floyd part two at some point, and I believe we'll get into that. All right, this one comes in from the 518. 
hot on the conspiracy line. Hey, Jake, Chuck in the 518 again. Heard you talking about Mark David Chapman on the pod today. Are you familiar with the theory? Are you familiar with the theory that John Lennon was assassinated, but not necessarily by Chapman? I don't know what to make of it. Maybe it's similar to your John Denver pod. Anyway, attaching a link to the pod. Mm, I am familiar with it, and I don't put any stock in that. Uh, but hey, man, free country. You can believe what you want to believe. But everything I've read leads me to believe that uh, Chapman was the guy. Not even a question. All right. All right. This one comes from the 678. Hey, Jake, this is Erica from the 678 ATL. I'm a new listener to your podcast and I love it. Shout out to my coworker, Steve, who introduced me to the Disgraceland podcast. And then I saw you had one about movie stars and I said to myself, this is amazing. I'm a big, huge movie person. So thank you for the podcast. Uh, you got it. Uh, this is a. Uh, going in a Badlands direction, but I'm going to keep rolling with it. With that being said, I was on my way to work looking for an episode to listen to and found one about Carrie Fisher. And as I'm listening to, uh, I got on the highway and this black Jetta was in front of me and I noticed their license plate and immediately said, OMG, the license plate read Obi-Wan Kenobi. I couldn't believe it. I don't know what this means, but it was interesting enough. I had to reach out to tell you about it. And this won't be the last time you hear from me. I got a lot of catching up to do. Well, all right. And then she sends in, uh, Erica sends in the picture of the Obi-Wan Kenobi license plate from the Jedi. Got a little, uh, was a little Badlands text there. Thought it was going to be an after-party Disgraceland text, but hey, we'll keep it. Let's see what else we got. From the 469, subject, music industry beefs. Jake, what about David Crosby and Stephen Stills? Crosby said something offensive about Stills' girlfriend and they never got past it. Is that really what it was? That's fucked up. If that was... That's fucked up for many different reasons. Uh, Juan, why are you saying something offensive about your bandmate's girl? I mean, come on. And number two, guys, get over it. It's ridiculous. Well, Crosby's dead, so there's no getting over it now if it never got over. All right, let's go. What else we got here? 724 says, hey, Jake, it's Anthony. You asked in Disgraceland about music feuds, especially country. I know Toby Keith and the Chicks got deep into it, including Keith showing pics of the Chicks with Sodom. <laughs> Sodom Hussein. It got heated. Well, that's interesting, man. That's fucking interesting. I didn't know anything about that. I'm going to look that up. Uh, I'm down for some early aughts. Country beef. What else we got here? From the 424. Went to the OC Fair last weekend, and they have an exhibit called Art of Music. And for some reason, I went in and remembered Disgraceland, and here are some pics. And then there's a bunch of pics, just general pics. Prince, the Beatles. I like that you're just, you're seeing music stuff, and you're thinking of me. Thank you. All right, got this one from the 302. Jake. Tina from the 302 here. Happy Friday. I know you're probably top, probably on top of this being a mass hole like so many of these fellas, but I had to send it your way anyway. Such a banger. Really stoked for the full album in a couple months. And uh, hopefully none of them will make it onto your podcast due to the misadventures, but maybe merely for being so fucking rad. Any who have a spectacular weekend, Heart XTX, that is from Tina in the 302. And what she's referring to, she sends a link here to Spotify, and it is to the new single by The Defiant, single called Dead Language. Defiant, a uh, punk band with all these punk vets, including the infamous Dickie Barrett. I say infamous, but he's not infamous. He's a great fucking guy, uh, former singer of the mighty, mighty Boss Tones. And Tina's right. This, this song is fucking great, and I look forward to the full album from The Defiant. What else we got? 
from the 705. I'm going to wrap it here on this beast conversation because it's pretty damn good. And uh, I got to move on, though. This one coming from the 705 saying three of the biggest beefs, Dean Martin, Jerry Lee Lewis, Don and Phil Everly, Don Felder and Glenn Fry. Uh yeah, we didn't really get into the Don Felder, Glenn Fry beef in the Eagles. Kind of touched on it, I think. I don't really remember. Don and Phil Everly, though, that's huge. And that could necessitate an Everly Brothers episode, uh, which I'd never really thought of before until now. So thank you, 705. And then, of course, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. You know, there's going to be a Rat Pack episode at some point. But uh, the more I think about this, the more I'm becoming hip to the fact that there's probably many Rat Pack episodes that we could get into here. So thanks for the 705. Appreciate it. Guys, you want to send me some voicemails? 617-906-6638. You want to send me some texts? Same thing. 617-906-6638. You want to DM me about any of these topics we're discussing? You can do that at Disgraceland Pod. Let's get into that right now. Some DMs. All right, from Leo X Fury on Instagram. Leo writes, man, your episode on Ariana Grande is mind-blowing. And I was listening to the after party right after that one about the top hip-hop groups, and you said something really important. You need a Big L episode. It's my fave rapper of all time. Um, all right, Leo, we'll get into that Big L at some point. It's on the list, man, and it's been on the list from the beginning, and I keep finding reasons not to do it. It's one of those things that I really want to get into, and I'm kind of afraid of the amount of time that I'm going to have to spend. Um, but we will get into it at some point, I promise. Ian Standish sends us a story uh, of himself drinking a rock and roll. Thanks, Ian Standish. Appreciate that. That's also on Instagram. Zach Ahern writes in on Instagram, hey, could even get through a minute of Fiddler. I think he meant to write, couldn't even get through a minute of Fiddler. Well, that's just like your opinion, man. Uh, and you're missing out. It's a great fucking band. I stand by it. Austin James Music writes in something about how awesome Notorious B.I.G. is. A little story there. I missed it. Saw it for a second. Let's keep moving here with a couple more DMs. Let's go over to Facebook. Sue Hendrickson writes in on Facebook, Hey, Jake, Sue from 612, did you recommend reinventing Elvis recently? I'm 53 years old. Thanks to my mom, who is a full-on Elvis fanatic, I've been listening to Elvis since before I was born. <laughs> the day Elvis died, is severed in my soul. I was seven. My mom and I were inconsolable. She's been gone for 15 years now. Watching the show brings her spirit close. His talent, grace, sense of humor, and that unmistakable it factor, it's breathtaking. Love your show. Love the ongoing conversations you have with your listeners. Thanks for hours of great entertainment. You got it, Sue. I did not recommend reinventing Elvis, but um, I'm going to watch it and... Uh, uh, sorry about the loss of your mom. You definitely sound like you're missing her and that you keep her close in your heart. Uh, and Elvis is a good way to do that. Uh, so I'm going to check that out. Thank you. Uh, Aaron Nicole writes in, I am in landscaping. So while I'm weeding beds and pruning, I have you as my work buddy all day. We live in the roller coaster capital of the world, Sandusky, Ohio. Let me know what you think of F is for family. I will, Aaron, when I get into it. Thanks for the for introducing yourself. Appreciate you. Appreciate all you guys. You want to get in touch? It's at DisgraceLandPod. All right. You can do that on Facebook. You can do that on Instagram. You can do that on Twitter. You can do that on TikTok if that's your thing. It's actually not Twitter anymore. Excuse me. It's X. All right. I'm easy to get in touch with. Okay. And I respond. Well, I, I try to respond anyways. Um, Doug in Groon writes, uh, Hey, Disgraceland, this is on X. Uh, hey, Disgraceland Pod, this reminds me of the intro to the recommendations portion of the after party. And it's this amazing picture of Thin Lizzy, a band I love and have forever loved and will forever love. 
And uh, I don't I don't understand where people get off thinking I don't like Thin Lizzy or where that came from. Uh, at Dean, I'm sorry, Dean Arnold writes in on X at Disgraceland Pod. Oh, this is a good one on beefs. Ira and Charlie Leuven hated each other. Country beef. Yeah, Leuven Brothers. Hot damn. I get to write that episode. That'll be fun. All right, again, at Disgraceland Pod on X, on Facebook, on Instagram. Get in touch. We're talking everything. We're talking beefs, country beefs, music beefs, whatever beefs. We're talking about best non-music biopic music movies. We're talking about who killed Biggie Smalls, who might have killed Tupac. Let me know. 617-906-6638 at Pod. I'm going to take a quick break back with some recommendations in just a bit. The recommendations part. This is the recommendations part, the part where we recommend the things that need recommending the recommendations part. All right, all right, all right. I'm writing this thing that hopefully you guys will hear about soon. I can't talk about it, but someday, hopefully I can. It's a story that's set in the early aughts. It's set in 2001 to be specific. So as I'm writing this thing, I've been mining rock music from 2000 and 1999 for inspiration. Uh, not from 2001, because again, the story takes place in early 2001. And also the thing that I've noticed is 2001, this thing happens in music that that changes the course that we're on. 2001 is when we start to get, you know, we get the strokes, white stripes start to break through. Um, and then, then the sort of floodgates open, the hives, the vines, all the the bands, <laughs> for lack of a better term. And uh, mainstream rock music takes a turn for the better, for sure, um, in my opinion. But uh, I'm focused on, on for the worst here in uh, 2000 and what was going on in 2000 and 1999. And as I'm writing this thing and I'm immersed in this world and I'm listening to what was on the charts at the time for rock music, I find myself having a brand new appreciation for uh, what I can only describe as ridiculous new metal <laughs> music. I fucking hated. I didn't care about it. I thought it, I not only hated it, I, 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 I like actively it just repelled me. I'm talking about uh, these these songs in particular are the ones I've been listening to, and these are the bands that I'm talking about here, okay? Uh, Last Resort by Papa Roach, American Badass by Kid Rock, Drive by Incubus, Down With The Sickness by Disturbed, Sleep Now In The Fire by Rage Against The Machine. Okay, all right, I was pretty much out on Rage after their first album. So by 2001, I wasn't paying attention, or 2000, I wasn't paying attention, I should say. And as for Papa Roach, Kid Rock, and Incubus, and Disturbed, uh, I was thoroughly disinterested. Uh, but again, hearing these songs now, almost as artifacts from another time, with this new objectivity, uh, I hear them as kind of a new classic rock. And I cannot believe I'm saying this, but I'm open to it. Uh, I, like, I again, 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 this music repelled me. And, and now I'm like, you know, I'm turning up Last Resort by Papa Roach, which, by the way, the lyrics are so fucking dark. I can't believe that was like a radio hit. Um, but 
I, I don't know. I mean, I, I realize I'm, I'm flushing all my quote unquote cool guy cred down the toilet here, but what can I say? This is true. There's something that happens with time where you can bring objectivity to a piece of music um, and you can hear it uh, in the context of nostalgia or something that makes you feel like uh, it's it, it, not, not that it gives you permission because I don't give a shit about that. I don't care what people think about what I listen to or what they think about me because I listen to something or another. Clearly, I'm telling you right now that I, I can appreciate disturbed for God's sakes. Um, but there's something about uh, just having distance from it. And I've experienced this with other types of music too that make it, listenable to me make me not listenable make me almost want to just want to like it it's weird it's fucking weird um and all this of course listening to this uh bad new metal <laughs> from 1999 and 2000 has forced me into listening to uh newer heavy music hardcore music new metal not new and you metal but new as in modern metal uh, mostly when I'm working out uh, so I'm listening to incendiary I'm listening I'm listening to madball leeway that's old I get it but still uh, I'm back listening to a power trip kind of new but not really uh, turnstile so I, I just gotta ask what heavy music are you guys listening to because I'm in that mindset right now and uh, yeah if you want to convince me that these new metal bands are actually better than I thought they were and I just missed something and now I'm finally catching up to it convince me why I shouldn't hate Papa Roach or Disturbed is what I'm saying uh, and again hit me up with some uh, any modern hardcore or modern metal you guys are digging on 617-906-6638 I'm in a heavy music phase currently and I'm digging it so hit me up with those recommendations um uh, also listening to Death Valley Girls, band from LA, going to see them in a couple weeks at Bumblefest. Uh, anyone else going to Bumblefest? Maybe I'll see you there. Uh, caught up on, as for music-related video content, uh, caught up on a couple music docs since we last spoke. Showtime keeps playing the Ricky Powell, the Individualist documentary from 2020. And um, I've seen this before. I saw it when it came out. Of course, I'm interested in Ricky Powell uh, just because of his affiliation with the Beastie Boys, but also just being part of that whole like downtown New York thing in the 80s and 90s. Just that's that's my lane, man, as it is for a lot of you guys, too. I know like, I see any of that content. I'm just like whoosh, sucked right in. Um, and this documentary is really great. And it, Ricky Powell was a great artist. He was a photographer. Uh, he was more than that. He was he was a personality. He had his own thing. I know a lot of you know who he is. I'm, I'm obviously speaking right now to those who don't. Uh, but if you're at all interested in downtown New York, if you're at all interested in early hip hop, uh, early Def Jam, um, or the Beastie Boys, of course, anything like that, check out Ricky Powell, The Individualist. This documentary is not new. It's from 2020, uh, but it is worth, like I said, I, I saw it then and it's on. And every time I catch it on, I just rewatch it. It's just, it's really fucking great. Um, also, there's a new, I think this is on Showtime as well. Showtime, Showtime does a lot of music content, which is awesome. I appreciate that. Thanks, Mr. and Mrs. Showtime. Um, but they've got this new Biz Marquee documentary called All Up in the Biz which is pretty damn good. I haven't seen all of it. Um, I, like the Ricky Powell thing, it pops up and I'm just like sucked into it. I'll watch it all before the next time we speak uh, just because I really started to get into it last night. And, and it dawned on me, you know, there's this, you know, I don't know if the programming here from Showtime with Bismarcky and the Ricky Powell thing is because we're 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 circling we're still circling this 50 years of hip hop anniversary thing or not. But um, it dawned on me in watching these docs, especially the Bismarck Key one, that I just think it's so great that we are, these docs come out and a lot of them tell the same stories or they tell, uh, 
different versions of anecdotes from hip hop history, which I think is very important because we've been beaten over the heads, or I have at least, and people my age, with the sort of punk rock and classic rock music history lore. And we know all these stories about the Ramones getting together, all the stories about the Stones and Led Zeppelin or the Sex Pistols or or Nirvana or whatever. This stuff is like it's well-worn road. It's been uh, gone over in in so many different ways, and I'm guilty of going over this stuff in, more than once as well. Uh, hip-hop, because it's a newer medium, it's a newer form of music, and its history is newer, has not had this happen. And there are all these sort of, um, I hate this phrase, but these untold stories. Just a story about Marley Marl and the Juice Crew and how these guys, uh, Big Daddy Kane, Biz Marquis, uh, Eric B. and Rakim, how these guys all kind of were in the same orbit, how they were jockeying to get on these tracks, and how this history took shape. I mean, this stuff is very compelling. These stories are super interesting, and they're part of hip-hop lore, and they deserve to be as uh, prevalent uh, in sort of the historical rear view as our stories about punk rock and classic rock are. Maybe, though, the problem isn't one of, of disseminating this information. Maybe the problem is my lens and uh, what I, how I look through it and, and sort of where, where it takes me or where it has taken me. But all this is to say that all this hip-hop content that's being released right now, I think it's great. I love it. Um, I'm here for it. And um, I'm happy to add uh, our own content from Disgraceland onto this pile as well. You guys are going to hear more about that next week, and I'm very excited for it. Um, what are you guys watching? What are you listening to? You're reading anything good? Let me know. 617 906-6638 with your recommendations. I'm going to take a quick break. Uh, drinking coffee, not tea this morning because I'm, I'm up early doing this. I'm going to drink a little more coffee. I'll be back after this. All right, let's recap, shall we? Number one, part two of the Notorious B.I.G. re-release is the latest episode of our Disgraceland series. That's in your feeds right now. Number two, over in the Badlands feed, we've got a brand new episode on Joan Crawford. Number three, next week in the Disgraceland feed, we're dropping the trailer for season 13, which not only ties into the 50th anniversary of hip-hop, but is our first serialized season of Disgraceland ever. Ten episodes on one artist and it's a massive artist. It's huge, okay? Um, you're going to want to check this out. You're not going to want to miss this. Number four, my number is 617-906-6638. Call me on the telephone or text me. All right, my moment of bliss, me reading you the phone book from Los Angeles, circa 1975, with a familiar name that's relevant to this week's episode. Let's go. Wallace, York, 2032 East 120th. 636-5960. Wallace, Yvonne, 8100 Avalon, 751-4767. Wallace Zorn, Photos, 1432 Wilcox, 461-1219. Wallach, David, 1746 North Orange Drive, 851-5988. Wallach, Herb, 666-1901. Wallach, Keith, 2699 La Cuesta Drive, 876-3655. Wallach, Nathan, 
Quit talking and start mixing. Come.